Hello and welcome to Endurance Minded. It's the podcast that looks at the psychological and emotional components of endurance sports and how they impact performance. I'm your host, Taylor Thomas, founder and coach at TEC. On this episode, very happy to welcome back to the show, Anna Chiruti. Uh, Anna is one of the coaches at Thomas Endurance Coaching. Uh, she is uh, a lifelong athlete, uh, an accomplished uh, coach, a passionate um, endurance athlete, an advocate for, uh, for healthy uh, and consistent movement and finding joy in that movement. And it was uh, awesome to dive back in with her and unpack uh, some of the things that, um, that we've both connected on over the years. And uh, we start off with um, talking about form and the importance of mobility and strength training and how moving well is moving efficiently and how that aids in um, our ability to continue to pursue um, our activities as it relates to our primary disciplines. Um, talk about how to handle injury and setback. Resiliency is something that we both believe very strongly in and um, we uh, discuss how resiliency is such uh, an integral factor no matter what we're doing, right? So we have to be resilient to be able to move through life in a way that affords us the opportunity to do the things that we want to do. So whether that's in sport uh, or whether that's just engaging in daily activities um, and handling the inevitable highs and lows that come with moving through our lives, resiliency uh, is a critical factor. Um, and really encapsulated is the ability to endure. Um, so we move from there to talking about curiosity and the key to staying excited um, and how for Anna, that's a really important factor uh, as it relates to engaging in these different modalities. So doing things like mobility and working on moving better and more efficient, efficiently. And really at the root of that is just a curiosity. Uh, what can her body do? How can she tweak things to um, to engage in ways that are uh, continually satisfying, uh, where she can learn more about her body. In the spirit of learning more, uh, there is a critical component of awareness um, that is echoed through Anna and I's conversation and the importance of building and creating awareness in the body, whether that's in primary endurance sports disciplines, such as running and swimming um, and riding your bike, or just in checking in with how you're feeling, being able to understand what awareness looks and feels like for you. Um, so really, really um, amazing conversation. I, I can't say enough good things about Anna and, uh, and what she brings to her work with athletes, what she brings to the world of endurance sports, and certainly what she brought to this conversation uh, on, uh, on our um, on our episode. Uh, a quick disclaimer, uh, Anna is based in Italy, uh, I am based in Montana, and as a result of that, sometimes with remote podcasting, we run into small glitches. So you will notice that we had some small connectivity issues uh, and some uh, background noise issues as a result of us being many, many thousands of miles apart. Um, I believed uh, very strongly in the message uh, of what Anna had to say and the power of our conversation. So we wanted to still deliver this podcast. However, you will notice sometimes that there are some inconsistencies in, uh, in the audio quality and that's uh, as a result 
of some feedback and some connectivity issues that we that we were having. On the whole, certainly the message uh, is still there. Hopefully, it doesn't detract from uh, the quality of our conversation and what you guys can get from uh, from Anna's expertise uh, and passion for uh, what she's talking about. Um, to build on that, uh, January 11th. So if you've listened to previous episodes uh, in the last few uh, weeks, you know that we offered uh, some resources to follow up on what we talk about uh, in this podcast. Uh, On December 28th, we did our first Accelerate Your Impact workshop. Uh, It was an online uh, remote workshop where we uh, finally put together uh, really comprehensive resources to help um, anyone interested in goal setting. So we talk a lot about endurance-minded about um, the importance of setting goals, how to compartmentalize those goals, how to ensure those goals are in alignment with the things that you care most about. And Accelerate Your Impact is a way to really dive in and sink your teeth into a lot of the concepts we've talked about on this podcast. So we are doing another Accelerate Your Impact um, workshop. It's going to be on January 11th. This is going to be at 12 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Uh, And again, it is going to be a repeat of the workshop that we did in late December. Just an opportunity, uh, if you weren't able to make the last one, we want to get this resource in the hands uh, of anyone who is interested. So if you're at the beginning of the year trying to set goals, either you want to make sure those goals are in alignment with how you want to move through your year, you want to make sure those goals are in alignment with what you care most about, Um, you want to ensure that those goals are in alignment with your passions and what you want to accomplish in life, or you are having trouble setting goals. Um, You found yourself at the end of this year uh, not accomplishing what you wanted, Um, you weren't satisfied um, with what you were able to produce, how you were able to engage um, on a day-to-day basis. So if you find yourself with a high degree of clarity, but want to make sure that that clarity is in alignment with Um, your interests and your passions and how you want to move through your days, this workshop is for you. On the other side of the coin, if you have a very low degree of clarity or you find yourself not in a position where you've accomplished what you want to accomplish at the end of this year, this workshop is also for you. So again, uh, an intersection of of lots of different um, places that you might find yourself in life, we built this workshop to deliver um, clarity for for you no matter where you find yourself. So again, that's the Accelerate Your Impact workshop, January 11th, 12 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. There will be a link to sign up in the show notes of this episode. Um, and um, you can also reach out to us at enduranceminded.com if you have any questions. Um, we're happy to uh, uh, we're happy to get you get you set up. So uh, as always, as a parting note, uh, ThomasEnduranceCoaching.com for anything that we talk about on the podcast, uh, for more resources, um, for more guidance, to connect with a coach. We're always here to support you and your goals. So uh, again, ThomasEnduranceCoaching.com. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, last but not least. Please enjoy my conversation with Anna True. Hey everyone, uh, before we dive into this episode, I want to take a moment to tell you about Inside Tracker. 
As I've talked about at length on the show, my passion is helping individuals discover the tools, resources, and relationships they need to reach their full potential. It's about more than just getting fit or being in shape for one race. It's about realizing the value in the lifetime pursuit of dedicating yourself to become the best version of you that you can be. So no matter what you love, whether it's running, riding your bike, racing, or just getting out and enjoy the great outdoors, you want to do it forever. That's where Inside Tracker can help. As a lifelong athlete who's done everything under the sun, I've gotten blood work done many, many times over the years, and it's always provided critical information. Even when I was feeling great and training hard, my blood work uncovered critical deficits such as low vitamin D and elevated iron. Despite how your training is going or how you're feeling, Inside Tracker helps to uncover specific, individual, and actionable insights that allow you to not only perform better, but feel better and be healthier. Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. Using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside of you and to offer you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. Then, Inside Tracker tracks your progress every day, every step of the way towards reaching your performance goals and living a longer, healthier life. So, endurance minded listeners can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just visit info.insidetracker.com/endurance-minded to take advantage of 25% off of the entire Inside Tracker store. Being an athlete is about more than just completing the right workouts. So visit info.insidetracker.com/endurance-minded today to start taking a proactive approach to understanding what your body needs to perform better and live longer. I know one of the things that you're really, you know, passionate about on the coach side, as well as the athlete side is making sure that you focus on things outside of your primary endurance discipline. So, you know, you ski and you, you're a triathlete and you do all kinds of mountain sports, but you're also doing uh, your strength training, you're doing mobility work. Um, I know you focus on those things a lot. So maybe just, Talk to me about why, why those things are important to you and why you feel like they matter, you know, for, for athletes, uh, of, of any ability and discipline. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really am, uh, passionate about, uh, mobility strength training, um, because I feel, um, they help us, uh, understand and learn a lot about our bodies and its capabilities, uh, first and foremost, um, I also think that they're just uh, paramount for just the regular well-being of uh, an athlete as a person and in like for the long term, you know, just we don't want to be athletes for a few years. Like I want to be doing this when I'm 85. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that the only way to do that is really to focus on the overall and not not just on discipline specific uh training um because we will miss out a lot uh it's just too easy to become like unbalanced uh if we focus on one or two disciplines and kind of strengthen those specifically but not look at the overall uh 
balance of the body. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like for me, something is so important, like a word that I always kind of hang on to and, and use as a bit of a mantra is, is resiliency, you know, and this kind of idea oh, yeah. that, um, that you want to be able to, to move through life in a way that allows you to respond to whatever it throws at you, you know, and have different experiences. And, you know, if I get injured, like I can, I'm, I'm able to, to be resilient enough to move through that and not have it, you know, put an end to my athletic career or derail me. Um, is that, I mean, does that resonate? Do you feel like there's a resiliency piece there that's important for like for you personally, but also for, for athletes to keep in mind? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, uh, oh, sorry. I don't know what's going on. Uh, my mom. <laughs> sorry, mom, not the time for a chat. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, you're never, you're never too close to, to, to your parents. You know, when I was in California, it was like, oh, we need to talk at least every other day. And now that I, we live like 10 minutes away is, yeah. you know, we talk as much, plus she shows up every other day. So. <laughs> You're like, maybe, maybe I should give myself a 5,000 mile buffer. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, that's one of the reasons why I came here. So that's fine. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, going back on uh, resiliency, uh, like definitely. And I feel like um you know I, I kind of see resiliency is uh this capability this uh this ability to uh, to navigate and uh and uh live through different times in our lives and can be like an injury or just like off season to racing season to whatever life events happens but also um like if you think it as as like body uh resiliency i kind i i see it as like the ability of the body to endure not only uh like your uh you know discipline endurance you're doing sprint triathlons you are resilient for that kind of work but true resiliency kind of goes beyond the scope of your uh discipline and so uh, uh, true resiliency is also for sprint triathletes to be able to endure like a long day in the mountains uh, or uh, vice versa. And, uh, and, uh, and I feel like that's part of why I uh, care so much about strength training and mobility, uh, because I feel like that's really what it does. Like, you know, we stress our athletes um, to uh, maintain proper body form when they're performing uh, a sport, but also like in training, you know, when you're squatting, you want to have your back and pay attention to your knees. But the reality is that in life, I don't feel like it's possible to be always in this perfect ideal uh, position. And like body resiliency means that your body is able to endure uh, stress outside of this like perfect form and still be able to you know not get injured necessarily and that's why you know strength training and mobility specifically are so uh, important for everyone I know you hear so many people you know 
as we all age, get injured in these really kind of benign ways. You know, it's you, you step off of a curb, you know, and kind of are a little off balance or you bend over and pick something up and you, you know, th throw your back out or all these. And I, I, I agree. I, I think, you know, so much of that can be, can, can be, um, we can get around that by just having that like resiliency mindset, right. To be able to like move through life and do yeah. normal things. And like, I mean, I tell athletes I work with who are, you know, getting older, you know, I'm like, you know, you, you want to be able to like bend over and like pick up your grandkids one day and throw them up in the air and, and that'd be okay. You're not, you don't have to worry about, you know, Oh, am I going to hurt my back? And like you said, you're not going to do that with like perfect form either. Right. You, you're going to like, just you know, bend over right. or, or pick up groceries or pick up your dog or whatever it is. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, what, like, so all that being said, like you and I are obviously on the same page, but the real fact of the matter is that so many people struggle to prioritize anything that's not related to their <laughs> primary discipline, right? So you and I could talk about how much we love strength training and mobility and how much we have seen it show up in our lives. And like, that's great. But like, what, what is the piece for you that, that allows you to see that thing as as equally as important as your other as, as you know triathlon training or ski training like you know because I think that's the piece for athletes they they have a limited amount of time and when they show up for exercise they shift their focus to this other thing right they're like well this right. is more important than strength training or mobility of course we have the science that tells us that that's actually not the case right the strength training but again you and I could talk about that all day, all day long. That doesn't really matter. People still behave differently. Um, so like, yeah, what's that piece for you? Like, how do you get as excited about strength training and mobility as you do going for a ski? You know, like what, what's, what keeps you coming back to it? Um, I think for me personally, as always being about uh, curiosity and, and like understanding of uh, of like body mechanics. And so like, I know it might sound silly, but I get as excited uh, when I'm actually able to move my toes independently as if I'm able to do like a perfect B2 skating uh, motion or, you know, a perfect, uh, clean and jerk <laughs> right, right. because it, it's just uh, you know it's true it's just your little toes but to me it's, it, it's, it's about um, just uh, being self-aware and just um, and just having that uh, connection within my body um, and that's always been like that for me, like I understand that I know that it's not the same for everyone. And so I'm like each athlete has to find within themselves their reasons, uh, their motivation to uh, do, you know, some 
specific strength and mobility training. Uh, and, you know, I always try and encourage my athletes to, uh, to see and understand that because it's important. Uh, and, and everyone can find different motivations, you know, from uh, wanting to pick up their grandkids, as you were saying, to uh, like in the future to um, whatever, just feeling that their body is able to perform emotion in a certain way. Uh, to me, is really like an intrinsic feeling. Uh, I'm always being, I've always been very um, uh, like kinesthetic, like I need to feel a movement, internalize it and really feel it. And so uh, when I do mobility uh, and strength training, uh, I feel like I get even more or like deeper connection within my mind and my body than if I'm out trying to uh, improve a skiing skill or you know a skill in the gym or uh, running form or whatnot. Uh, yeah. Swimming, you know, is another one uh, that is big, and I feel like um, it can feel. Um, like boring like if you see it from outside you know you see uh, a person training in the gym they're actually moving and doing something you know you will see a skier trying to improve a skill they're actually going back and forth on the trail doing something when you're uh, improving your uh, mobility uh, your you know neuromuscular connections and just creating these connections that maybe were lost or underutilized in your body you might be sitting there and barely do any movement at all you know like you're working on internal external rotation of the knee you know you might be lifting your foot off the ground like this much <laughs> but uh that being said it's still like hard work if you do it with the correct body tension you're still getting a sweat and feeling tired and exhausted afterward uh but besides that which can be a motivation for some athletes you know they like we appreciate the, the feel of the work that we've done uh, so that can be a part that is still there even if it doesn't seem like uh, we're doing much but you can still feel uh, that work mm, but but besides uh, that is really for me about seeing that I'm capable and feeling that motion and feeling those muscles that uh, maybe I wasn't entirely aware of until last week or last month or like see that I can uh, engage and produce a strength uh, through the range of motion um, that is not like little task you know if if I get you to stand there and like swing your legs up and down you can come up pretty high even with a straight leg uh, regardless of uh, you know your mobility but if I tell you to engage your body and then like with a straight leg lifted in front of you well that range is going to be more limited you know and that's the difference between active and passive so like I want to be active through the range of motion that I possess as much as I can yeah yeah that's a great you, you mentioned I, I think it really hits on um this idea of like it feeling a certain way, you know, I think so many, um, so often athletes struggle when something doesn't feel, you know, using quotation marks, like doesn't feel like a workout, you know, and they're like, and, and then we feel this pressure for, for 
it to like count, right? We're like, well, it's right. not, it doesn't count if it's not hard or, and, and that's, that's a whole nother conversation, I, I, I guess. But um, yeah, like is, I don't know, it's an interesting point. Like, yeah, that, that, like that fine motor control and these mobility things, like I'm with you, like some of the hardest workouts I do are, are like, look the least uh, exciting. You know, like if I'm trying right. to get my body in a position that is working on limited, like an area that I have limited mobility in or would like to increase my mobility or range of motion, like it's brutal. You know, like I, I you know, I'm like, I was doing it the other night and literally like sweaty, you know, from doing like basically what looked like very little, but it was so challenging to like move my body in that way. Um, you know, does, does that feel like an opportunity? to like reframe how we, how we talk about that with athletes, like maybe you're already doing that, but like, cause there's, you know, that link between like, this is, this is mobility versus this is like a workout versus this is a strength training, right? We like have all these different categories for things. Right. Um, yeah. Like, do you, do you, when you're like, do you describe those? So, yeah. Um, so first of all, I want to just jump back for one second uh like i don't think it's that much difference uh there's that, that much difference between um you know uh feel like we're not doing enough if we're just doing uh mobility uh training and uh when you know you say okay today you're going to run 35 minutes easy like i don't even want you to break a sweat and and the athletes like feeling they're not doing anything or you know feeling not satisfied like those are the sessions that uh always i get reported as like oh i'm not fully satisfied with this <laughs> training yeah, session too, too, you know? too I'm like, well th those are the most important ones you know too easy yeah <laughs> it, it, i i think it really falls in the same category and what i stress my athletes uh is that um like we see ourselves getting stronger as we are doing things but the reality is that our body is getting stronger while we're resting you know it's like oh you go to the gym and you sweat for two hours and you lift those weights or push on the pedals or you know do whatever the reality is that in that moment uh that your body is like rebuilding itself up so 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 the resting is important you know and and um and to the point that sometimes, you know, we say less is more. <laughs> and that's the reason, you know, it's like if you just keep breaking yourself down and don't give your body the time to actually become stronger while it's recovering, then we're not getting stronger, regardless of how much you're beating yourself up, you know, how much how hard you're working. And, um, and so the fact that we need to be smarter like we need to work smarter not harder you know <laughs> it's like you can have great training sessions if you don't give it enough time between one and the other then you're wasting your time and all of us are in a time crunch you know life work kids family you know uh so why wasting it you know like go out and enjoy yourself and uh and and just give the time that you're putting it like make it work and to make it work we do need to you know pay attention 
to the recovery between sessions or the uh, intensity and volume of each session. And, uh, you know, mm, yeah, nobody likes to go out and do like runs that, you know, oh, I feel like they're looking at me and I'm going too slow. You know, I'm ashamed. I'm going to pick up the pace. No, <laughs> who cares? Yeah, <laughs> Those are yeah. the ones that are going to bring you further, you know, and then go and do your intervals. I'm not saying to run that slow all the time, but those are very important. And, and then important is resting after those sessions too, you know? And uh, so for the strength and mobility, I feel like it's kind of the same idea. Like it's not necessarily about sweating and like putting in this crazy amount of loads and work, but it's more about doing it the smart way. And so how smart it is to be there doing a strength session, lifting heavy weights, uh, and like, let's say that I want to target my shoulders and I'm like doing these like shoulder presses and I'm doing them without proper form because I don't have those neuro neuromuscular connections to feel the proper form. So, well, guess what? I'm not using my shoulder, my core, my back, like everything else, my neck is compensating. I might be lifting, you know, 20 more pounds the reality is that that muscle group that I'm trying to target is not working. <laughs> well, take 15 pounds down, but like really focus, slow down, you know, isolate, move just that joint. All of a sudden you're lifting like a third of what you were doing with poor form and working like way harder, you know? Mm -hmm. But of course, you know, the dude on the other rack at the gym is gonna say, oh, you know, you're not lifting anything. <laughs> Right. Well, right. yeah, yeah. There's the that that it's hard to get your uh, your ego out of the way, right? Like when you're saying you when you're going slow on the run, you know you need to, or you're you know you're lifting or you're whatever you're doing. There's always this like balance, and it's even like amplified now. I, I had an athlete. I've had this happens all the time. I've had several people, you know, tell me uh, over the years like they're embarrassed to post that run or ride on Strava because it's slow. Right. And they're like, Oh, I see all these <laughs> other people doing the same ride or run. Uh, and it's faster and you know, it's embarrassing. And um, even though they know they're, I don't know, like what, how do you, how do you, how do you navigate that, you know, as a coach with your athletes or even, you know, yourself, like how do you help, kind of get out of your own way or like get rid of some of that ego which I, I get is natural like we all have you know you yeah have and some is also good right, right. competition like inner and uh, competition but also competition with others it's something that pushes us so that's not bad like what I uh, usually say is two things the first one is fun like you need to be out there and have fun and sometimes having fun is not about like PRing that route it's just enjoy look around there's the you know leaves are turning orange there's the snow on top of the mountains so just look around have fun chit chat with your friends so you're not PRing if you're doing that you know uh, the 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 other aspect is um uh is that like to do that PR, like that, you know, uh, king of the mountain, queen of the mountain section on this travel route, 
I kind of see them as events, you know, it's not that I'm out there and I go do my usual home loop and every single time I'm trying to beat my time, you know, <laughs> like I can't do that in the one day that I, that's the effort that I'm putting in, but that's not what training is, you know, I'm not like just trying to be fast every single time, because if I do that, I'm never going to get faster or the rate at which I'm going to get faster is like so slow and it's going to be interrupted by so many injuries along the way, you know, how I'm going to try to PR the route in Strava is periodizing my training there too, you know, I'm going to run it super slow a few times, I'm going to do some intervals, try some sections, uh, you know, and, and then next week on Wednesday, I'm going to be resting maybe the day before and I go out and I try to PR it. And then you get your queen of the mountain or king of the mountain, you know, but it's not about every single time. Like none of the people that have, uh, you know, a crown on any section on Strava are out PR, out PRing themselves every single time they go out there, you know? <laughs> so it can be a fortuitous occasion, you know, oh, for some reason I was out there and I was a little faster today and the wind was, behind my shoulders and give, gave me the extra little push or it can be more thought through and you know I'm not necessarily uh like trying to get all the crowns by any means but it's like if you do want to and that's something that is important for you let's incorporate them in your training schedule like that can totally be a goal to put in your you know list of events for the year <laughs> we can match it with the training and make it happen properly. Yeah, we're, we're, we're talking about, you know, kind of dancing around like periodization and, and this very real need to set yourself up for success. And I think with that comes this need to define expectations during particular periods of time, right? Like this is not the time when we're going to go out for PRs. This is the time we're going to work on some limiters or, you know, or the inverse of that is like, okay, this is the season. Like we're going out and we're going to train hard. We're going to push for this, whatever the goal is. But like within that periodization model, um, there's a real need for, for like a, a, an ebb and flow, right? Like you can't always be getting more fit all the time, push, this, yeah. which is just what you're saying. Like, you know, every week doesn't build on itself. There, there has to be times for a shift in focus, a shift in intensity, a shift in volume frequency of your workouts um so like what's that um what's when we need to shift our focus specifically from like a a, a more focused training period a, a more like you know goal oriented training period to like time off or we shift like we were talking about like okay now the focus is strength and mobility so that we can rebuild and work on some of these limiters like what's that what's that what's that that transition period look and feel like for you? Cause I know that's something that so many people struggle with is feeling like if they stop for a second, they're going to lose it all. Right. They're like, Oh, like, yeah, I can't stop. If, if it's doesn't, you know, if I switch focus or if I do anything else, it's, it's all going to be lost. And so what, yeah. Like how do you navigate that? And what does that look like for, for, for you or with athletes you work with? Yeah. So, you know, first of all, um, 
there's the like 10 days rule uh, that I always remind people. And that is, you know, it's like, if you were to just like sit on the couch and just don't lift a foot for, or a finger for 10 days, like it's just after 10 days that your body will actually really start to lose uh, the fitness that it had before. Uh, that doesn't mean that if I stay on the couch doing nothing for a week, I'm going to come back the day after and I'm going to be as good as the week before, you know, might still need some like priming uh, sessions to get back up, but it's still, I didn't lose everything, you know, I'm not like going backward. Um, so, you know, 10 days without lifting a foot. And, and the thing is, the like when we say switch it doesn't mean get on the couch and don't move a finger anymore you know it just means we're not like training with the same focus and we need it both like equally mentally and physically you know it's like our minds need that break our bodies need that break and that break doesn't need to be sit on the couch and do nothing anymore it just needs to like not have necessarily a big structure to follow uh, every day, uh, more like indications, you know, and limit uh, the intensity, uh, at least for a couple of weeks, I would do, you know, close to known intensity. It also depends like the length of the, you know, transition period will, will depend on how hard you trained all year, how many hours, how much intensity, how hard was your race season, you know, many races, like the volumes, the length of these races. But I'd say that for any athlete will benefit between like one to four weeks of, you know, true transition time where you're doing, uh, you're like purposely not focusing on your primary discipline as much. It doesn't mean don't do it. It just means go out and do it differently. You know, if you're a skier, comes May, comes April, just go out there and do spring skiing. You know, you're not going out there doing intensity work. You're not going out there trying to, you know, PR any courses. You did that on your races. You're done. Just go out there and enjoy some turns for the spring. You know, that's still like skill building and, uh, and you get distracted and just like have the opportunity to enjoy your, discipline in a different way and uh, still come back out of it stronger more than anything you're giving your body and mind time to reset and then uh, it will be you will be more capable of enduring the training loads that will come in the next few months so uh, that's still part of uh, of you know periodization at the macro uh, level um for a triathlete you know at least in the northern hemisphere right now is probably the transition period for most people like most big races are uh done and it starts to get chilly so it's less likely to find uh triathlon races during this time so this is the great time to you know get your bike and go out and look at the colors for the fall you know there's the foliage is beautiful everywhere just go and do that that's still a pretty good bike ride you know you can yeah. still do miles nobody tells you to keep it like necessarily short it's just 
you know, bring your camera and stop and take pictures, you know, <laughs> go with friends and chit chat. Like that's the time to enjoy your discipline in a different way. Um, the other thing is like variation, you know, we can't ask our bodies to do the same thing all year round and think that that will make it better because we are uh, definitely not uh, coming out more balanced uh, out of it, you know? We need to vary the disciplines. So this is the time that, you know, if you like to play tennis, go play tennis for a few times with some friends, you know? Go do some soccer games that you play with or do cross-country skiing for the winter or you know, just change up because sports complement themselves. And so it, that variation is important. Like swimming is actually a great off season uh, activity for triathletes as well, even though that's like a primary discipline uh, for during the rest of the season. But, you know, you just want to, of course, keep intensities uh, down and vary and maybe don't go just for uh, you know, freestyle all the time, but try to get that, you know, breaststroke nailed that you never really spend time on. And uh, backstroke is really good to work your muscles in a different way and just strengthen your back and, um, you know, get the dolphin. That's good. <laughs> so. That's one, that's one I haven't mastered yet. I've tried so hard and I just, I don't have I know, right? <laughs> I, I, I grew and, up. And, and nobody, and nobody dares to tell me that it's not a hard work to go out and do that in the pool. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it's brutal. I, I, every time I'm like at the ocean or, or whatever, you know, I, I'm swimming, I try it and I make it like five strokes, you know, and I'm exhausted. Um, <laughs> what, so like in that same, you know, in the transition period and kind of, I guess, tying into our strength and mobility conversation, I mean, what do you feel? There's so much stuff out there, right? I think that's part of the, the problem slash like reason athletes struggle to really stay, you know, consistent, committed to other disciplines is like, you know, what am I supposed to do, right? You see one thing and it's like, do really high intensity and you see another thing it's like do you know heavier weights or then there's mobility and there's foam rolling and there's right there's there's all these like parts and pieces that are kind of in a you know a, a similar group um like what's your you know if you had like, like three things during the transition like what should athletes focus on right where should they spend their time and energy and i know it's individualized you know but let's just say like there's no injuries and, you know, they have good range of motion and this, that, and the other, like what in your experience has been like a great place for people to spend their time and energy when it comes to like strength and mobility. Um, so um, for me, like number one is transition. And then also, you know, the foundation uh, phase uh, afterward uh, are, uh, general uh, in as a general rule are general phases so we um, uh, we want to do specific work as close to race season or during race season but this is the time that we're working on the whole you know like I look at myself and I really start thinking okay what 
what it is that I'm not using the rest of the year, now is the time to use it. Um, so, you know, like a, a strength session at the gym uh, will be targeting like general muscles. We're not going for like maximal strength. We're going for, uh, you know, higher uh, number of repetitions and sets. Um, this is the time, for example, that a, that an endurance athlete can uh, put up some mass because like, you know, true hypertrophy is not uh, ideal for endurance athletes, but we still need mass <laughs> to bring ourselves up those hills. And so it's harder to do that when we're like during race season or pre-race, you know, just closer to race season because we're, you know, going for this like long distance and, uh, and, and it's just like the nature of our training. It, it's not like allowing our body to build mass. So now is the time that we can do that, you know, and, and that's not going to make us slower. It's going to make us stronger overall. Uh, I'm not get, saying everyone has to become a bodybuilder <laughs> in December, you know, but, <laughs> but a little bit helps everyone. Um, so, you know, number one rule is like, uh, more generic minor body, uh, body group, uh, sorry, muscle groups, uh, not necessarily discipline specific. Um, the other, uh, factor to me, that is now the time that we can really like, like the transition season is really the time that we can, uh, focus on this is, um, to, to, like create those uh, patterns, like neuro connections and patterns that, 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 that make us do motions that are not necessarily uh, the, uh, the, the, the discipline specific ones. So, you know, as, as like I, um, like as a runner, I like the force is all, you know, going, up and forward but as a runner there is not a lot of you know side uh, motions and so the, the side motions side movements specific strength is not necessarily targeted but that's still uh, part of of balance like my hips are not strong moving in one direction <laughs> you know i need like 360 degrees uh strength on my hips for them to be strong going forward or appeal so this will be the time to target our muscle groups in not necessarily like the the sport specific or discipline specific way that we use them during the rest of the year there's there's value in just again i, I think athletes in general they just struggle to like see how it's all connected right like how is what i do in this time of year that doesn't feel like it's necessarily, you know, beneficial or it doesn't feel maybe as challenging as I want it to. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's just, I think it's hard. And I, you know, again, I, I'm with you. Like I see the benefit, like I've, I've, I've always, even like when I was racing bikes full time and like really didn't, you know, I was really focused on like, staying super lean and, and staying, you know, fairly, you know, not putting on any, like I still strength trained. Like I, I always just felt like that it contributed to my ability to do these other things, you know, and of course it right. was specific to my goals, but um, yeah, I mean, again, I just, I think 
And then there's that resiliency piece too. I think the like injury or setbacks or range of motion issues or, you know, whatever. Um, it's just part of being an athlete. I think that that, you know, this is, it's such a critical piece of like weathering those storms. It's not, it's not, if, right. But when, right. Like I, if you stick with it long enough, like you'll have setbacks. Um, yeah. Like so, how do you, how do you handle that? One way that I use more with myself, just because I feel like pushing it too much with my athletes feels like a mean coach. Uh, although when I do this work, um, uh, is uh, just doing some like um, mobility test, which kind of slaps it in your face how much even if you feel strong because you did train and race all season how much work you still can do uh on like some of these more subtle aspects of training you know mm, like like a really banal one is doing you know a single leg squat and just Pay attention to the ability of that motion uh, can be to make an athlete realize how much they maybe need to focus on, you know, like hips and knees and ankles and feet strength training uh, and mobility, but also, um, you know, like mm, just kind of checking a little bit of those uh, range of motion, like, uh, you know, do a dorsiflexion test. Uh, we did talk about this on. Uh, the uh blog or we are talking about this i know i wrote about it <laughs> i don't know if it's out yet or not uh, but just really putting yourself close to a wall and check what's your dorsiflexion uh range and uh and see if you do need to work on that you know can just be you know like you do have a number there and and at that point you not only see the number and and see that you know that there is room for improvement but also you put a couple months of work into it and then you actually get to see the improvement because those numbers will obviously improve and get better so um those uh things i do for myself you know is like if i don't feel like motivated to do some of that work i just put a ruler down on the uh, floor and see <laughs> where my reflection is and see okay I'm just gonna try to gain a centimeter by you know the next couple months and see how that goes and and you know you definitely feel better both in your discipline and in your strength training like after you gain the extra uh, centimeter of uh, range of motion you know um like one other thing is on stability a lot of times it's easy for athletes not to necessarily have that so uh you know like balance but balance with your eyes closed and see how that goes on one leg of course <laughs> yeah. right. and sometimes just that is enough to bring out like to 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 help an athlete to feel that they're not uh um they're not as strong as they thought they were, not as stable. And, uh, and, and then the other thing is also just working on this, uh, you know, there is strength and mobility training, as you were saying earlier, there's so much out there that one doesn't know what to do. And, and, and 
and and if we do that kind of work mindlessly like not with focus then we're not going to get anything out of it you know so to really put an effort right at the beginning to uh understand helps because at that point you do feel the work like you know going back to that like i want to feel that i'm working like like i can have you say okay taylor like touch your feet you know and and you just pull down touch your feet and come back up and that was nothing but i assure you that i can have you do that like working your abs and like getting like panting after a while just because if you try to do that motion like that folded motion let's say you know with like spinal segmentations you're really using your core to stabilize every single uh, muscle in your whole body feet to uh to hair you know feet to head and uh and and just like one vertebra at a time folding down toward your feet that's all like internal work that your muscles are doing and i can assure you that if you do like five repetitions of that doing properly you'll get out of it the same as if you did like some planks for minutes you know mm -hmm. <laughs> uh and and on top of that is like active work on your body so that's like i feel i feel like once athletes try and actually make it to do certain uh kind of work uh properly then it's easier to tell them to do that because because if you do them not properly then yes you don't feel the benefit and that makes it harder to keep going and yeah yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of the, I, I totally, that resonates with me. Some of the work that I like have came back to for years and years and years is like some of the first things that like my PT told me to do, you know, when I was working through different injuries and it's, it's like you said, like if, if I was, it was so obvious, like when I did them and I, and I tried to do them with, with proper form, like where I was, where my deficits were, you know, I was like, Oh, this like, right. it seems like it should be easy, but it's definitely not, you know? And like, no. one of the, one of the things that, um, that really highlights that, like in terms of equipment is, um, like doing work on the BOSU ball, you know, and, and like trying to do stability <laughs> work and, you know, you're like, Oh, that should be easy. And then every time I do it, you know, it's like, it takes all my strength to do like, you know, a single leg RDL on that, or even just like a proper right. squat or something like that. And I think that's- And for all the athletes here that don't have a boost ball at home, like a pillow is enough, you know? Right, right, <laughs> Like right, you right. can get a lot out of a pillow. So that's not an excuse, you know? Yeah, 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 good call, <laughs> right, I know, I know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so, um, I, and that, like, that's a great, that's a great goal too, like you said, or I think that's a great way to like help people see the value is to set goals, um, like set specific goals. Like you were saying, like, can I get one centimeter? Right. Cause I think sometimes the, this like strength and mobility and some of these things we've talked about can seem really ambiguous. You know, you're like, I don't know, am I getting any better? Does it matter? Does it, you know, but like if you actually set real goals and you're like, okay, like one center centimeter more, dorsiflexion or I can get in this position and 
you know, whatever. I, I feel like I'm able to get deeper into my squat or something like that. Um, that's a good way to like kind of add a little bit more meaning to those things versus just, you know, like, oh, I'm just going to do it and hope that it matters. Like you said, like you still need, you know, still need a plan. Um, right. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And to me, even going beyond that is like, you, you know, you see that extra centimeter, uh, you, you do give yourself, uh, you know, goals that you can actually verify. So uh, that makes it easier to make a plan and pursue the goals. Uh, but what you gained from doing this kind of work is not just that one centimeter extra in those deflection or whatever uh, goal you set, um, you know, because when you are doing that kind of work, I feel like the major benefit is that the athletes really learns to feel their bodies in ways that they didn't. So like, if you think about it, just like, you know, let's put running or I can think of cross-country skiing as, a, as another example, but even biking, like the hip position, you know, it's all on, in the hips. Like the, each one of us can be like aligned or less aligned. And it's not just about, you know, being even between like, in, in, you know, between the, the, the length of the two legs, but it's also like the, you know, posterior tilt or anterior tilt and, and the, the curvature that gives you in your back and, and what that what what the result is in the in all the movements in our posture when we're sitting at work from from our posture when we're sitting at work to when we're running or skiing or cycling you know like sit on your bike and try to tilt your pelvis interiorly and posteriorly while you're pedaling and, and you will First of all, you know, the, the position that you're more naturally inclined to be in is the one that you can use better. But that doesn't mean that maybe modifying a little bit that and working on the strength at that range of motion could not improve the power that you put in your pedals because, uh, because you, you do want to be able to do that. And, and, and like, like running, same thing, you know, or, or skiing and like, we naturally have like i have an anterior pelvic tilt uh naturally and and that's like a struggle because when you're when you're when you have an anterior pelvic tilt like the the uh, it's harder to uh to recruit your like your glutes and your hamstrings it's just it's just harder you know and so you have a strong push for your running stride or for your cl classic ski stride if you can't output power within your glutes and hamstrings you know and so to do this mobility work um you know besides gaining this range of motions and the use that we can get out of them uh, so it's not just about getting there but about like putting uh, power and strength into that end of the range of motion um, is also this proprioception into actually feeling and understanding our bodies like deeply. And so to then be able to modify my, my, my position in like, my posture in these like subtle ways that will go a very long way in the results eventually, you know? And, uh, and I feel like um, as coaches, we, 
always talk about proper form, you know, but sometimes it's not enough to talk about proper form if the athlete cannot like deeply understand, not just conceptually, but really like feel that, what does that mean? What is it that I'm asking you? You know, why do we did, why do we do this drills for for running? You know, why do we did, we do back kicks and uh, skips? Those are all intended to make you feel uh, you know, some of these motions that then you can translate into your stride and, you know, get better uh, mechanics out of it. And so gain in speed and strength and power, you know, and efficiency. So, um, so I feel like the main benefit of this kind of work is really just creating this connection, you know, it's like this awareness of our bodies and how to make them more efficient with less work. So yeah. it kind of goes beyond the advantage of, oh yes, now I can, you know, I have that extra one centimeter. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I love that. Like the awareness piece is so, so important for me, like I think as a coach and an athlete, like that, making sure there's a real connection there between like the work that we're doing and, and our real ability to, to be aware of like why we're doing it, how it feels when we're doing it, like checking in with our body and like making sure there's time. Um, we, we, we value that time or set aside time to like create to build those skill sets, you know, it's so easy now. You just like jump on the trainer right. and you ride and you're like, well, did you feel what it's like? Did you, did you check in with your body? What's your, like you said, is there, is there, you know, rotation in your hips, you know, are your glutes and hamstrings totally dead back there? Are you just mashing on your pedals or is your, you know, so we don't, we don't often give ourselves the opportunity and the ability to really like build those skill sets where we, we check in. And yeah, I, I love that concept of really, taking the time to to like develop that um that nuance as an athlete you know and and i think too like that that's back to like to bring it full circle like that's back to that resiliency piece right like being able to actually listen totally. and check with your body and 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 using that to be able to extend your your you know abilities as a as an active individual right like when you are when you're keyed in and tapped into what your body's telling you that keeps you from injury. It keeps you right. That just like extends your ability to continue to enjoy moving your body. Mitigation is definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's awesome. I think that's a really high point, a uh, real high point to, to end on. So I, I, I love that, that piece. Um, so yeah, thank, thanks Anna for being on the, uh, coming back on the show and thanks as always for all of your expertise and all of your awesome, awesome insight. I, I'm grateful.